This is the Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 58, Real Self-Care. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a certified life coach and speech language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for you to be joining me again. Because today, I want to talk to you about something that is really important, especially for many of us now having gone through the past couple of years of this global pandemic, and that is real self-care. So self-care, especially if you're involved um, in caring for others, others can be children or elderly family members, or maybe you're involved in a helping or a caregiving profession. We know that stress and burnout are on the rise, and it can be the result of one or two things, doing too much of something or not doing enough of something. So there are two ways that we can look at this. We can look at things through the lens of the math of something and then the lens of the drama of something. So let me tell you what I mean by that. So the math of burnout is really... Is it physically impossible for you to be stretching yourself so thin? Maybe you're piling things on so much that when you do try to schedule things out, there's just no room for anything. And that means it's a math problem. So sometimes the burnout is a result of having just too much on your plate. But then there is the drama of something. And that's the idea that we really just spend so much time spinning and deciding and talking about how hard things are and how busy we are and how overwhelmed we are. But when we spell it out, there is actual time, but it's how we're choosing to frame things and think about things that cause our overwhelm or the burnout. So when I work with my clients, we actually tackle both. We look at the math. So we find ways to deal with the math, to be more efficient, to be productive, to say no to more things, to say yes to the priorities, to plan and to organize. And then we also look at the drama, which is what we tell ourselves about everything, how we frame things, our mindset, what time we spend spinning in indecision, indulging, or in overwhelm. So we really need to do both. We need to deal with both. So I know that's a little bit of a tangent, but my point is, is we do have a hard time managing our stress in our lives. And sometimes we are doing too much of some things and not enough of others. When it comes to self-care, it's often that we're doing too much for other people. We're taking care of too many people. We're saying yes to other people's needs. And then we're also doing too little for ourselves. We're saying no And often we don't even realize that we're saying no to our own needs. And then we're lacking self-care. But if we want to be resilient and build our resilience, then self-care needs to have a strong presence in our life. So remember, resilience is the ability to bounce back, to repair, to recover, to go through difficult times. It is the ability to weather the storms, to deal with the hand that you've been dealt with in life, essentially. So resilience is not about how do we avoid the storm, but how can we go through the storm in the best possible way? 
And resilience is also about change. And when I talk to people about bouncing back and using that as a definition of resilience, it's not exactly bouncing back to where you were or who you were. When you go through a storm, you kind of can never be the same. But it's about bouncing back to a place that you're okay with. And we've talked about post-traumatic growth as well, and that's actually bouncing forward to something even better. So being resilient in any kind of growth really relies heavily on listening to your own body, to managing your mind, to accepting, to surrendering, to taking care of all of you. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. We need to be taking care of ourselves. So I want to look at that famous example of the oxygen mask. You need to be taking care of yourself first. So when you are flying in an airplane, which I know many of us want to get back to doing more regularly, they always advise that if you're traveling with young children or people who have challenges to make sure you put the mask on first. Why do they do that? Well, they tell us that because they know our natural inclination for many of us is to look out for the people that we love. So we would be putting the mask on somebody else first. The problem with that is if we put the mask on somebody else, we may not have enough time to put it on ourselves. If we do it the other way around, we put the mask on ourselves first, then we are in the position to help people around us. So that's a perfect example as to why self-care is so important. Or I think of another analogy that I use about pouring water. If I have so many cups around me that I want to pour into, I mean, I have things that I want to do for my family. So my husband, my kids, their partners, my extended family, my siblings, my mom, my friends. And then I have all my clients and my community, my church. There's so many things that I want to be involved in. So many places that I want to serve and support that I want to give. How do I pour so much water? if my pitcher is always empty. So I really need to be filling my pitcher on a daily basis, if not even more frequently, so I can pour it for others. And that's because I want to be able to pour it for others. And that's something else you might want to explore. Are you giving your energy and pouring cups to things and people you want to or you have to? Because sometimes even the language that we use about pouring from our picture can be detrimental to ourself. If I have so many resources or demands, whether I label them as obligations or choices, they require some of my energy, my brain juice, even parts of my soul. So I need to be making sure that I am taking care of me so I have something from which to pour. Now, the question is, why is it so hard for us to take care of ourselves? Why is self-care often the first thing that gets crossed off people's lists? One reason, I think, is because we often think of taking care of ourselves as being selfish, that we should be focused on taking care of others. And this may be even something that we've been told over and over, especially as women. We're often told that we are caretakers. We're taught to be selfless or nurturers or taking care of everybody around us. And we then need to forget ourselves and serve. How often do we hear that? The best way to get out of a funk is to go out and serve other people. So I'm not advocating to go out there and not serve people and to go out there and just be totally selfish. We want to be able to take care of other things and other people. But I actually would argue that not taking care of yourself is really selfish. So listen again. 
If you're not taking care of yourself, then you are actually being selfish. Because if we go back to my example of the pitcher of water, you cannot pour from an empty pitcher. And if you keep trying to, if you become burned out, you are then constantly looking for others to refill your cup. Also, you're just not at your best when you are depleted. You end up being depleted and exhausted, and then someone eventually is going to have to take care of you. So you are doing other people a disservice when you're really trying to protect them if you think that self-care is selfish. And also, let's look at what the definition of selfish is. So being selfish can mean you are somehow depriving or taking from other people. But self-care is not that at all. You are not trying to deprive others. In fact, it has nothing to do with others. You are trying to replenish yourself so that you are enough for yourself and for others who need you. So really think about that. The nature of being selfish is taking from others for your own benefit, that you're lacking consideration of other people. So self-care has nothing to do with others. It has nothing to do with not thinking or not being considerate of other people. In fact, you're doing it so that you can be your best self. And in turn, it's your best self that is going to help benefit others. All right. So now I want to talk a little bit about what self-care actually is. And I think that it can be divided into two kinds or two ways that we can define it. The first way is something that you do on a short-term basis because it just feels good. And the second way are things that we do on an ongoing, consistent basis to take care of our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. So both are technically self-care, but they are different. Let's dive into how they are different. Now, the first way is really things that make you feel better in the short term. They're the feel-good things. They kind of give us a quick hit of dopamine. We tend to call these things self-care as it makes us feel better, but it's kind of like we're indulging. Maybe it's a dessert. Maybe it's like a marathon of Netflix or splurging on something. And while these things may feel good in the moment and may provide us with a quick escape or a quick fix, the effects aren't that long lasting. So sometimes these activities will actually just numb us or buffer us from whatever's going on in our life. So they're kind of like self-care band-aids, we can call them. Now, I'm not saying you can't do them, but it's good to know the why. Why are you doing them? And usually it's just as an escape or an ultimate pleasure. It's just as a break from reality. And that's okay to be doing that kind of self-care, but it's very temporary. Now, the second kind of self-care is what I really want to offer to you as being the most important one and the one that will really give you the long-lasting benefits. And these are the things that we consistently want to do to take care of our mind, our body, our heart, and soul. So really to take care of our mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. I think by now we're pretty well versed with self-care for the physical side of things. So some obvious things that we do to help take care of our body is exercise, eating well, sleeping enough. We need to make sure we're getting out and exercising daily. We want to be getting enough sleep. I think seven to nine hours is the going rate. And we want to be eating a healthy diet, getting our proper nutrition. But I want to offer to you that we're not paying close enough attention to other aspects. We're not paying close enough attention to our mental, our emotional, and our spiritual selves. 
And truly, if we are not taking care of our mind, then nothing else matters. How we manage our mind has a direct effect on how we feel and how we behave. And that, of course, leads to the kind of life that we lead. And this will definitely impact how we show up as a partner, a parent, a friend, a colleague, a boss, just as an overall human being. And I'll offer to you that if you are struggling with physical things like exercise, sleep, and nutrition, that the best place to start is also in your mind, since your thoughts and your feelings are directly linked to your actions or your inactions, which is basically your exercise, your sleeping, and your eating. So you can see why I advocate that managing your mind is probably one of the most important things you can do for yourself and for your self-care. So let's get into some details here. What are some of the activities that I'm referring to? Now, you really can do anything, but I suggest that you consider some criteria. So these are some things that you can base your activities against. Couple questions. Do you feel better when you do it? Does it recharge you? And I like to ask if my activities are energizing or are they depleting? Another thing we can ask is, does doing this have a lasting effect? And these may be cumulative effects. For example, going to a gym one time may not make a huge difference, but every day for six months will. So doing thought work one time may feel like a lot of work initially, and it doesn't make that much of a difference. But if you do it daily, you may see a big difference. So pay attention to the longer term thing too. And you can do 10, 10, 10 about that. What is the impact in 10 minutes, in 10 months, and 10 years? You want to make sure that the self-care that you're doing has an impact for more than just the 10-minute time frame. What will be my result in 10 months? What will be my result in 10 years? And that will give us a good idea as to the caliber of self-care that we're doing. And then lastly, you can ask yourself, now, is this something that I can do regularly and consistently? So those are some good criteria to get you started. And I'm going to share with you a few ideas and trying to give you a few more unique ones. And I often find when I suggest things to people, they may not necessarily resonate with those ideas. But what it does happen is it starts stimulating their own creativity and they come up with great ideas on their own. If you listen back to episode seven, way back when at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about some ways to calm your nervous system. And we talked mainly about breathing and movement and relaxation exercises. We talked about connection and meditation. And I even have a free download that you can access that reviews all these things and how to do them. So you can go back and you can download that and you can review that for yourself. Because I do want to hone in on the meditation and mindfulness as one great way to do self-care. Research has shown that consistent mindfulness and meditation activities are very important. So things like actual meditation is really beneficial. But you can also do other activities, which I will call meditative activities. And some people will use things like daily prayer or devotional study. It's really any activity that helps you focus on the present. Sometimes listening to music. I know that's a big one for my husband. That is part of his daily self-care is sitting down at the end of the night and listening to music. But it could be also playing music if you uh, know how to play an instrument, doing a puzzle, drawing, coloring, knitting, painting. 
These are all activities that can help you stay in the present. And for some people, even doing physical exercise is something that will help them stay in the present. So that's what your goal is. Your goal is to be mindful and stay in the present. That's the first thing that you can do to help with your self-care. Another thing that you can do is you can fuel your brain with new learning. How do you do this? Well, reading, listening, watching, learning about a new topic, taking a course, watching a documentary, learning a new language. The goal is basically to learn something new. And this feeds really well into what we talked about in episode 38, all about cognitive reserve. A great way to take care of your mind is to fuel it with new information. So it is constantly developing new pathways. Just listening to this podcast can be a great way to have some self-care because hopefully you're learning some new information. Now, the third thing we want to be looking at when we look at our self-care is looking at the media that we expose our brain to. So media can get a really bad rap. And the reason being is that there is a lot to be said about the mindless hours that people spend on things like Instagram or TikTok or even just binging on Netflix. So you really do need to pick and choose. You need to set limits for yourself, but make sure also that the quality that you're feeding your brain is there. There is nothing wrong with following some really great Instagram accounts that you find uplifting and inspiring. There's nothing wrong with watching a great show that you feel invigorated afterwards, but you want to make sure that you're not spending hours at a time just mindlessly scrolling. That is going to defeat the purpose of self-care. We always want to be fueling and energizing our brains for that. Or it could be where we're just taking a break. I know for me that sometimes sitting down and to watch a show at the end of the night is a way for me to just detach and disconnect from what's going on. So it ends up being a part of my self-care. So not all media is bad. Just pick and choose the kind of media that is going to be the most helpful for you. Now, the fourth thing you can do is you want to develop solid habits. You want to make positive habits a no-brainer. This gives your brain space to focus on new things. You don't want to have to be thinking all the time. And when we create habits, it allows some automatic patterns to be established and it helps our brain conserve some energy. So develop solid habits of drinking water, of meditating, of doing some exercise, of reading, of taking care of yourself. If you have these habits, then it alleviates the energy that our brain has to use all the time to make decisions. Like, do I want to exercise? What do I want to do? Just have a habit and your brain just jumps right into it. We also want to make bad habits harder to access. So you want to make sure that you're putting as much distance, you're making it as hard as possible to indulge in a bad habit. That may be if you have like a tendency to mindlessly eat or to eat a lot of junk food. It may mean that you don't keep a fully stocked shelf of junk food in your kitchen. You make it harder to access that junk food. Remember that five minutes towards establishing a good new habit can go a long way. And this ties into our next idea that you can use for self-care working towards a big goal. Setting big goals in your life can keep you moving forward and growing and developing. 
Because without goals, we can sometimes become stuck. Part of your self-care is making sure that you always have something that you're actively working on, even if it is only five minutes a day. Because remember, five minutes in a day turns into 30 hours a year. You don't have to have a big criteria of what the goal has to be, because when I say big goal, I just mean that it's got to be something that there's enough steps that you can keep moving towards it, not something that you can just get done in five minutes. Something that you can place further along and on a daily basis, be pushing yourself to move towards to making a little bit of progress, even if it's just a baby step. So working towards a big goal is a great way to be practicing self-care. Now, another thing you might want to do, I think of getting lost in the numbers. I think this is maybe the sixth thing you could do, but is to practice constraint. And what I mean by this, it may seem opposite from what I've been saying, work towards a big goal and have all these things and learning and constraint is also making sure that you don't have too much on the go. Good things can easily cause you to slip into overwhelm as well, no matter how good they are. So what I would offer is do yourself a favor and pick a few things that you want to focus on. And just do one at a time. Or maybe you have a bunch of things that you want to focus on for the year and you divide it down into quarters or monthly. Don't try to do everything all at once. I always say to people, you can do it all. You just can't do it all at once. So pick and choose, practice constraint. I'm focusing on this right now, which means this I'll get to later. That is a way of protecting your energy and having good self-care. Now, the seventh way we can implement self-care is setting good boundaries. Sometimes we say yes so often, and then we find ourselves we're not even able to take care of our own needs because we're stretched too thin. So I want you to learn to say no. Because remember, when you say yes to something, you are automatically saying no to something else. So just make sure you're good with whatever you're saying no to. Learn to set these boundaries. And remember, boundaries are for you. We don't set them for other people and expect other people to follow them. We set them for ourselves. We draw a safety circle around ourselves so we know that that is our limit. And it is up to us to enforce it. Is it nice if somebody else sees a boundary and respects it and doesn't cross over? Yeah, it would be great if everybody was considerate, but it's actually us who's responsible for enforcing our boundaries. You can ask me, it's up to me to say yes or no. So I want you to be mindful when you say yes to one thing, consciously think about what that means you're saying no to. Now, the eighth way, and of course, in my mind, this is the most important one, is do thought work. Learn how to manage your mind. You need to know what you're thinking. You need to learn how to manage what you're thinking. You need to be aware of what you're thinking. And you need to be aware of how your thoughts are impacting your feelings, which will impact your actions and your inactions, which create the results in your life. You really want to become aware of what goes on between your ears. You want to know what's happening in your brain. So do your thought work. And if you're not sure what I mean, there are tons of resources on this podcast that will talk about what thought work is. Next week, I'm going to be having a whole episode devoted to how to help change your thoughts. 
There's so many things you can do. And of course, you can always reach out to me because that is what I love helping people do. The ninth thing that you can do is connect. Connection. This may seem a little bit odd when I'm talking about self-care, but yes, you want to be able to connect with yourself. That is super important. But I'm also talking about prioritizing spending time with other people. Self-care may seem like it's all about you, but actually a huge part of self-care is making sure you are connecting. Now think about it. When we get stressed out, our body enters a stress response and it releases a whole bunch of chemicals, one of which includes oxytocin. And that is the chemical that makes us crave connection. So we are biologically wired for that connection. So we want to get it. But also stress is contagious and so is relaxation. We can calm our nervous system just by being with somebody or we could get all amped up just by being with somebody. We all know how we feel with some people where we may say, oh my gosh, just being with them stresses me out or I feel so good when I'm with that person. So some people will help fuel you and energize you and others will drain and deplete you. You want to surround yourself with great people. Surround yourself with people who support you. Surround yourself with people who fuel and energize you. They say that you become like the five people you spend time with. So choose your people wisely. And lastly, of course, you know, I'm going to say that you need to be investing in yourself because the best way to really dig deep into self-care, I'm going to say it, and I'm not going to be ashamed to say it, is to hire a life coach because a life coach teaches you how to do all these things that we just talked about. And yes, so many things we can do on our own. But when you have a coach help you do these things that you say you want to do, but you never get around to doing you put things off because life gets busy. Maybe you have no clue how to get started. But if you really want to make yourself a priority, if you really want to make changes in your life, it's so much easier doing it with a coach. You will totally benefit from it. I promise. I know when I first experienced life coaching, I was shocked at the difference that it can make. And I was already a pretty motivated, self-driven person. But Wow, the difference it can make when you have a coach. So these are just some of my ideas of what you can do to help with your self-care. Get out there and make sure you are spending the time for that physical exercise, sleep and nutrition, taking some time for mindfulness and meditation, fueling your brain with new learning, making sure that you're getting quality media time, developing solid habits, having something that you're working towards like a big goal, but also practicing constraint. Don't put too much on your plate. Make sure you set good boundaries. Make sure you do thought work. Make sure you get out there and connect. And if you also want to really see the changes faster, then hire a life coach. I would love to hear from you what some of your best self-care tips are. So make sure that you reach out. And until then, have a great week and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.